This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. I always have guests on the show introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes. Um, I am Terry J. Benton Walker. I am the author of the young adult contemporary fantasy, Blood Debts, which I like to um, pitch as a contemporary Game of Thrones set in New Orleans for black and black queer teens. Um, I am also the author of the middle grade contemporary fantasy, Alex Wise versus the End of the World, um, which um, it is for fans of Percy Jackson and Tristan Strong. And it's about a 12 year old boy who spends his summer vacation um, fighting against the four horsemen of the apocalypse to save his sister from death who has possessed her. <laughs> yes. So I had to look up um, middle grade, like what that actual age range is, mm-hmm. because um, I mean, my wife isn't publishing, but I'm not. And mm-hmm. so it's like it's age eight to 12. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that the. Um, yeah, so, and so I like um, to say eight, um, ages eight and up because I found that like yeah, yeah, even yeah. Great, older great, kids great, great. like of it course. too. Yeah. And also like adults. Yes. Like, and like, I just, yes, of course. Thank you for that correction. Mm-hmm. For sure. We can all get into like a good, uh, adventure slash, you know, apocalypse story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have to be only 12. Um, but I, I ask that because, so this is, you know, it centers, there's, it centers queerness, it centers blackness, it's, and also just like themes of, you know, death and (laughs) destruction, (laughs) um, which are all, I think the seriousness of the topic, although like, that doesn't necessarily mean the tone. Mm-hmm. That is something that like that age person has been reading forever. Like mm-hmm. I read that when I was that age. I mean, even like there's a lot of stuff that we now know more about these authors, but like I grew up reading a lot of Roald Dahl mm-hmm. who now we know a lot more about, um, mm-hmm. or at least I do. Yes. Um, but like some of those books are straight up scary. Like mm-hmm. if you if you can take a step back, like oh Matilda's like being terrorized by her family, right. you know, like mm-hmm. and that's an even I didn't look this up, but I feel like that's an even younger age range. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when I like hold this book, it feels like um, sturdy in my hands. So I was mm-hmm. trying to think of what I was reading at that age that felt like that. Um, and it was like the Red Wall series. Did you ever read that? No, <laughs> I didn't read that one. Oh, it's like a fantasy story, but for some reason, it's about like it's, it's like it's almost like Game of Thrones, but if the main characters were mice, we don't know. Uh-huh. We don't know. Look, oh. um, yeah, and like Roald Dahl <laughs> books felt like thicker in my hands, mm-hmm. you know. And then obviously, also, I'm a little too old for this, but. Um, my little sister isn't like when the Harry Potter series came along and mm-hmm. we were reading like thicker tomes mm-hmm. um, or, you know, like the Hunger Games that have, yeah. which may be a little skewed a little bit older, but um, that have like serious subject matter in mm-hmm. them. And none of those stories 
uh, center blackness or queerness. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily new to have like that level of seriousness, but of course I want to talk to you about what it's like to release a book like this right now Mm -hmm. in this moment. Oh, it is, it's, um, Alex Wise is a book that I'm extremely proud of. And um, this moment is very special to me um, because Alex Wise as a character represents a younger version of me. Um, He represents the 12-year-old me who was like struggling to find himself after his parents divorced, who often felt like he didn't belong. Um, I was struggling with understanding like my own queerness and, and what that meant for me. And um, I wasn't always protected and cared for the way that I should have been, the way that um, Alex is through this story. And it's really important for me, especially now, to give this story to Black queer kids, especially, so they can see themselves represented in a character who's going through a lot of the same things that they're probably going through in their own personal in their own personal lives. But um, they're given this opportunity to see themselves reflected in this adventure story where at the end of the day, the lesson is that you matter and you should love your authentic self and you can be a superhero too. And you already have everything that it takes. Um, And just like at a time right now where like kids are actually under attack by our governments for being queer. um, This is it, it, I hate that we're here and we need to put this type of literature out to assure our kids that like they matter, but I'm glad that I have the opportunity to do it. And it's not something that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have so many follow-up questions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe I'll start. So yeah, there's an author's note where you say some of that stuff about mm-hmm. that, about your own family, about divorce in your family and about the, so I want to come back to that because I think that it was very, it's like very tender that it's in there. And I um, mm-hmm. want to talk more about that. Um, I will also say that I'm even realizing as you were talking about the kids that would read this book. Um, oh boy, there's like three different directions I want to go. <laughs> I also, when I was this age, especially like the higher end of this age. So I have an older sister. She's three years older than me, but she's four mm-hmm. school years older than me. And I she would get assigned books at school and then I would read them because I wanted to be like her and I wanted Mm -hmm. to be able to talk to her. And then I did the same thing with my little sister where I like would read the books she was reading to get um, an understanding of what she was into. Mm -hmm. But that was for like a different reason. That was because I was trying to be a good big sis. For my older sister, I was like, what's in the world? So I was reading shit that was like uh, truly like inappropriate for my Mm -hmm. grade level. And um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. And okay, because that's what I was going to ask you about. Because I know that that's like that's, I would imagine that when people are, you know, I don't even have to imagine the thing somebody might be able to say about this book, not a, the thing, the, the dumb shit, because mm-hmm. it's like, we know what it is. We both know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, kids are too young to read about this. But it's like, yo, bro, I mean, I was reading. <laughs> Like, this is me to Fox News. Excuse, bro. Um, I was reading, like, such intense stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, really serious things because I was reading my sister's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then what I, were you reading? So like, also, I don't know if you all did this when y'all were kids, but like we would be passing around books that we had no business reading. Like we were passing around like Stephen King, Sister Soldier, like uh, adult books were making their rounds in our school. Like one kid would read it and they'd be like, oh my God, you got to read this book. It's wild. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that I think was part of it. And I also, well, I have a little less of that experience. I really do. I'm like looking at my bookshelf to see. It just was, it was honestly a lot of like, so we went to the, my, we went to this high school that was very um, like literature focused and mm-hmm. like great books focused um, and not just white authors, but like a lot, a lot of different authors. But when I talk about above grade level, some of it was sex. Some of it was also like history. Some of it was, um, violence. Like there was, there was just a lot of stuff that I was reading at this age that like (laughs) was truly like, (laughs) like, like just like Toni Morrison. I'm like 11 in my room by myself. Like, it's just like, it's just like a lot of info coming at me. Um, so anyway, yeah, like to that, whenever somebody has that argument, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. First of all, the internet exists, right? obviously, but mm-hmm. also like just in books. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, so you were reading, like, what, what were you, what affected you at this age? What mm-hmm. was like your favorite stuff? So at that age, I was really curious about sex and um, I was discovering that I was queer, that I was gay, and I had so many questions. And I remember going to my mom and asking, and the answer would always be, you don't need to know about that right now. But I was curious and I wanted to know. And um, I'm dating myself a little bit, but it was harder to get on the internet because we had dial-up. So you had to wait for somebody to be off the phone. And then you had to- Oh, babe, listen. (laughs) I mean, internet, when I'm eight, (laughs) in- in 1989, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> our phones actually just connected to a phone. So there wasn't even <laughs> dial-up to have. <laughs> it's just like calling the local library to reserve the book. But anyway, continue. <laughs> so, um, and so like there, there essentially was no like YA or anything that like, there was like younger books and then there was adult and so um, mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. read Eric Jerome yes. Dickey. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just like, she didn't um, like monitor what I read. She was just happy I was reading and she was like into me reading. Um, and so I would ask for Eric Jerome Dickey books and she would just buy them for me. Um, it's like whenever we would go to, we also, I'm from a small town, so we didn't have Barnes and Noble or indie bookstores or anything. So I got books from the library and when we would go on our shopping trips to Walmart and mm-hmm. I would... I would beeline for the book aisle and I would pick out an Eric Jerome Dickey book because I knew he was going to write explicit sex scenes. And I didn't even care. Like I knew I was gay back then or I had an inkling that I was gay and I didn't even care that it was all straight people. I was just, I was that curious and nobody would tell me. Um, And also, so there is sex on the page in Blood Debts. And I I get this question a lot about like the appropriateness of the content. Um, And some people will even say that some of the stuff in Alex Wise might not be appropriate because there's talk about sexuality and different types of sexuality in there. And and, um, 
But I say, I always say that kids are curious, right? And especially now that we live in the digital age and in the age of technology, yeah. <laughs> like the information is literally at their fingertips. And if we don't take the lead on giving them the information that they want to know in a safe space where we can control like how they're interacting with that information and answering their questions and making sure that they're getting it in a healthy way. They're going to get it from porn, from chat rooms, from their friends, from television. And then they're just getting what they're getting at that point. So I would rather them read a well-written middle grade or young adult book that has the serious topics that they're curious about presented on the page in a healthy way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't even quite know what to say. It's like, Mm -hmm. because there was a part of me that as you were talking about, I was thinking about for, because I never had, sex ed and um mm-hmm. judy bloom books were books that like at the library at my school um because she like alluded to things like people having a period and so like when you don't have sex ed um or just characters like like things that were like about body development Mm-hmm. Um, and I know th- I was going to be like, I mean, Judy Bloom was accepted, but actually I don't even think that's true. I think people had a problem with that at the time. I think people were like, how dare you say mm-hmm. boobs are coming on bodies? <laughs> you know, so I don't know, man. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. I wish I could think of more examples, but as mm-hmm. you were saying in, in our, how old are you? Do you mind my asking? Yeah, no, I don't mind. I'm 39. Yeah. Okay. So we're like in the same age range Mm -hmm. and the availability of young adult literature has, has also like changed. There's just Mm -hmm. a different amount there. Um, and I remember when I was a kid also, like there were a lot of like sports themes themed books that like Mm -hmm. the young dudes were reading. That was the thing. Everything was like about like, everything was like (laughs) a baseball book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got to give us options in 2023 mm-hmm. when literally anything can be pulled up at any time. I just, I guess I, yeah. I really cannot relate to this argument. I find it mm-hmm. very, it's like an argument that I don't even get the premise. Like I don't even get yeah. the premise. Well, actually I, um, and, and not to go down a rabbit hole here, Rabbit hole away. (laughs) But like I, like knowledge is power, right? And so by presenting information to children via a medium that entertains them and engages them, we're teaching them about things like sexual orientation. We're teaching them things about their body. Like by reading Judy Bloom, you're learning about like growing your boobs and like getting your period and all of this other stuff, right? And so when we have knowledge, that makes it harder for us to be manipulated and exploited and abused. And that's scary for people who like to prey on the vulnerability of children, um, which one of the characters in Alex Wise is an archetype for adults who prey on the vulnerability of children. Um, I cannot, yes. I, I won't reveal that because it's a spoiler, but um, yeah. Yes. I mean, okay. So yes, I do see, I think it's like, I'm too far into the I do understand. Thank you for making that point because I do understand that it that what's behind it is that when 
you're overrepresented mm-hmm. it, when your race, sexuality, gender is overrepresented, it becomes invisible to you. And so therefore that's when people are like, why is there sex in these queer books? And you're like, there's sex in the straight books. What the fuck are you talking mm-hmm. about? Or like, why are there yeah. black people in these books that are, <laughs> you know, and you're like, there's, cause there's, what are, you know, so it's, it's that thing of like in literature when somebody's race is not mentioned, mm-hmm. um, but then other characters, their skin color is described or like the shape of their eye. And um, mm-hmm. it's a real cute moment where you go, I wonder what everybody else's eye shape is. Mm-hmm. I wonder, right. I wonder why <laughs> just only this one person's skin color is described. So yeah, it is. I mean, I get that that's where it comes from. And specifically in like for straight parents i think it's just like i i feel like it's so clear that i find it unrelatable that somebody mm-hmm. would not be able to open their imagination in that way and be like oh yeah like there's sex in movies there's sex on tv mm-hmm. it's just that i find it objectionable when it's queer people because i don't know it's like it feels it feels so insane to me that i i've lost the ability to relate um mm-hmm. Same. I want to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I want to ask about like, are you hearing from schools, libraries, parents in a positive way in a, because, because we're talking about, we started with this, like, you know, awareness of, again, I think something that's being overrepresented even in the media, which is the opposition, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. um, so are you hearing the positive stuff too? Mm-hmm. Um, I have been, so Alex hasn't been out very long. It's only been out for a couple weeks, but, um, the reception I have been getting from kids to parents to librarians and teachers has been outstanding. Um, everybody has been very supportive. They love the message behind the story. They love the all black, all queer cast. Um, it's very exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking in these moments because I'm trying to stockpile the joy because I know that like, I'm going mm. to, as, as all queer authors are facing right now, I'm, I know I'm going to get to that moment where I'm going to have to stand up to the person who's like, oh God, here, here's, the, here's the woke agenda again so yeah. i know that i know it's coming but right now right. things are amazing yeah i mean that's awesome and also i don't know maybe this is annoying because maybe this is something you don't check but it also has a very good goodreads score um mm-hmm. so sorry if that's <laughs> you don't check you don't have to look yeah. up the i'll just tell you that yeah. the score is very good thank um, you i peep here and there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do, but then fucking close that shit and mm-hmm. get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what we're talking about, like Goodreads is uh it's um it's it's like the top reader fueled review site. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. uh journalists, but like readers. And mm-hmm. having a good score on there um changes like visibility um for a book, but also you know, for a book like this, it's like um, a bit of a barometer for like where we're at in terms of because these are just random readers. So to mm-hmm. me, that also bodes well for just like a larger conversation that folks mm-hmm. are being like able to actually dig into the material as opposed to have some like dumb reaction that again is being mm-hmm. covered by networks like. Fox News in a way that makes it seem like people aren't stoked on this 
Yes. On, on books like this. So like, fuck that. Don't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody listening, don't look at that. Mm-hmm. Like, go look at Goodreads for this. And I think there's a lot of hope to be gleaned there, mm-hmm. at least for me, in yeah. where people actually are that are not like yelling mm-hmm. television screamers. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on that? Do we need to um, dive no, into just, anything else? Is there something I missed? No, I just want to say I, I love the fact that like so many people are loving this book. And I really, I hope that they continue to talk about it more and it starts to find more and more uh, kids, especially black queer boys. Um, if I would have had that book when I was 12, the whole trajectory of my young adult life would have been completely different. If I would have been yeah. able to see myself like that like Alex Wise. So um, that's exciting. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! So what do you think is, for anybody that's listening to this, um, especially if they're not a parent, how do you think that they could help a book like this to Mm -hmm. continue on? Do you have thoughts on that? Is it like buying it themselves? Is Mm -hmm. it recommending it to other people in their family? Like what would you – because in order to, you know, get it to black queer boys, Mm -hmm. it also just has to be like – visible in general and and Mm -hmm. so how could you how could listeners help you with that Uh yeah so if you're able to go and pick up a copy um please go pick up a copy at your local indie store um there's a barnes and noble um and if it's not there ask the bookseller to order it for you um and um, check it out from your library. If it's not at your library, request it. Um, talk to talk to your teachers, talk to your librarians about the book and let them know that you're excited and you want it. Um, I do school visits as well. So um, you can talk to them about me potentially coming out to talk to you and your, your classmates about the book. Um, and if you read it and you liked it, leave a review on Goodreads, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, that also really helps me out. And the audiobook, I want to say, if I can take a moment to pitch the audiobook, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Torian Brackett is the narrator, um, and he was also one of the narrators on the Blood Deaths audiobook, which is also amazing. Um, but he did such an incredible job on the Alex Wise audiobook. I've already listened to it three times. It's so amazing. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's, that's awesome. It's, it's like listening to an animated film. It's like the voices and like the, the way he gets into it. It's just, it's so amazing. Um, so check that out. You can also get the audiobook on, it's on Lib- it's on Libro, Audible, Google Play. So Alex is everywhere. That I feel like is speci- will specifically appeal to the listeners of the show based mm-hmm. on the folks I know that 
you know, first of all, they're already audio consumers, but I'll say it. There's a bunch of like dorks that listen to this. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm a big audiobook listener. And I feel me like too. for sure for me, that puts me in like a dork category. Like mm -hmm. to me, like that is like, that feels like it's in line with my childhood self. Like I didn't, I didn't know that would be something to be available to me, but oh my God, I love audiobooks. Like, I, yes, me too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> definitely a big part of my life. Um, cool. Awesome. So I want to go back to asking you about, um, your experience with your parents' divorce, because I will also say, like, we've talked about these other topics that, like, clearly there's a national conversation going on around. Mm -hmm. But something that I also didn't have information about as a kid, and some of this is, like, the divorce rate is, has... in. I don't even know if this is true. I perceive that the divorce rate has changed, and some of that is, like, women having agency. Like, <laughs> like mm -hmm. that is truly part of it is like yes for my parents generation and my grandparents generation when women didn't have as much education access to education access to abortion access to their own bank accounts they couldn't leave and so the divorce rate was different and it's not because mm -hmm. there was less marital strife it's because women were trapped so mm -hmm. <laughs> when that started to change um in my childhood there was like no information available around that reality. Mm -hmm. Like none. I had one, my best friend, her parents got divorced and it was a brutal experience for her. Like we talk about this a lot now, but even mm -hmm. in that moment, I remember it just was like, it was like something she was teased about. I mean, it was like, it mm -hmm. just was a, a different, um, we had a different orientation to that than we do now, but I have no idea because I'm not um, in this moment a huge consumer of middle grade books. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something that's more reflected in what's available for kids to read. Um, but I'm just curious if you could like talk, I guess, a little bit about your experience with that. And if you had support in stuff you were consuming in the world, at school, like places like that. And then whether you see this book as being truly unusual there or if there's you know other stuff you've read since so i will say i did not feel like i had books that i could relate to from that standpoint as a kid um when it came to divorce or being queer or anything like um being black none of that um and so, like, I was, I read, like, fantasy, like, I read The Golden Compass, I liked The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. and all of that, but um, there were no Black people in those stories, right? So, right. Uh, and I still had to find a way to connect to it, so, like, I... I had to, like, fantasy was a form of escapism for me, and I had to do so by way of characters that I could not relate to. Um, and even so, like, I still found a way to connect with it. And I feel like, in a way, that stunted my ability to be able to properly process um, the divorce and like how that changed my life and like my feelings around that um, for so long. And actually writing Alex Wise was a way of me kind of dealing with that um, because for the longest, I was not able to write a positive father figure in any of my stories because I had no idea what that, what that looked like. Um, mm -hmm. 
Because even though my parents divorced, our story is a lot different from Alex Wise's story. Um, his story is rainbows and bubblegum compared to my childhood. Um, I've, I've spoken about this before, but sparingly. Um, so, like, my dad was an alcoholic and he was abusive. So um, we have I have no relationship with him right now. Um, and it was a situation where I wanted my mom to leave. I wanted her to get a divorce, but she felt like she... Um, should try to fix the family so like we could stay together because she felt like my brother and I needed our dad and we were like no like we need peace um and so that goes back to your point earlier about like um women like regaining their autonomy and understanding that it's okay for you to get a divorce um to put yourself in a better safer situation to protect yourself and your kids and a lot of that involves like shedding um the misogynistic programming of like church and stuff like that, because like we were, we grew up super religious. And so you were taught that like when you marry, that's forever. And like, no matter what your husband does, you don't get a divorce and you don't leave and you're supposed to put up with it. And that's just simply not true, but it's very hard to like unprogram that. Um, so I wanted to show a, a child's perspective of what they're what they're feeling when they're going through that divorce and for Alex I tapped into my own feelings of like how I felt abandoned by my dad um, because he left us and went on to another family and he remarried and he had um, stepchildren who he loved who got to spend time with him and like I heard about the wedding on Facebook, just like Alex Wise. Um, even though I had no desire to be there, it just felt a way like finding out like that. Um, and so yeah. I wanted to write that from Alex's perspective to show kids like how it feels in that situation and how you can move on to a positive place. Um, even if that place is understanding that you might never get the love and affection that you deserve from from your parent. I mean, I think this is a huge, you know, there's so many obvious, when you were talking about Lord of the Rings, like, I think what we're hoping for from, well, I'm hoping this for myself as a consumer of media is like, is empathy, that I can mm -hmm. see the commonality between myself and any character. And then mm -hmm. also that I can learn about experiences I haven't had. And I just, the reason I bring up divorce specifically is because just percentage wise, um, of the different identities Alex carries, it's probably the one that touches kids in this age range the most simply because of what the divorce rate is like right mm -hmm. now. So, I mean, more kids are openly identifying as queer and black stories are massively underrepresented. And the reason that divorce speaks to me, it's like I, I, um, it's like in thinking about talking about why this story is so makes so much sense to me um, for kids. It's if you don't have an entry point that's directly because of your identity through these different pathways, here's mm -hmm. another option. And I, you know, again, hopefully we can all like make the leap to want to consume things outside of identities we carry. Mm -hmm. um, but I think divorce is one that like, I just don't hear people talking about that when they talk yeah. about books. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that like really stuck out to me as like, oh, here's a, like, this is just not part of the chat, not part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and really appreciate all the, the details that you yeah. shared. And 
you know, I think, um, oh man, I mean, I have some people, I have a person who's very close to me who, um, growing up, their favorite movie was Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And it took a really long time for them to realize that their parents were divorced and that, that the whole premise of that movie is like, what if I could go back in time and heal my parents' relationship? And mm-hmm. that is wild, right? And yeah. it's very different than a book that kind of posits, what if I could talk about my feelings? Like that's a very different orientation mm-hmm. to parental <laughs> strife. Um and it also feels very in line with what you're talking about, about the way that you grew up in the church versus what you're modeling right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's how can we like like make like crush this non-working thing mm-hmm. into a working thing versus like let's just talk about how it makes us feel. Um, and I also have someone close to me who's going through divorce right now and I'm watching how it's affecting um, – her child who's a first grader and even now it's i mean very complicated um and there's and this is like a kid who goes to a super progressive school and like has really progressive parents doesn't necessarily live in a progressive area um Mm -hmm. but you know this like what a weird thing to have stigma about when it affects so many of us i am a divorcee like it's just like i don't know how to I don't know how to wrap my mind around things that we continue to stigmatize that literally like affect more people than they don't. Like more mm-hmm. married people are divorced than not. So like it's just wild. Yeah, um, I think and I feel like and I could be wrong, but I feel like part of it has to do with a bit of jealousy and contempt for being unhappy and seeing other people take steps to be happy. And so it's oh like, if I, can, if I can shame you for doing it, it makes me feel better for not being able to do it myself. Holy shit. Yeah. Maybe that's possible. Yeah. That I mean, I've actually never thought of that perspective before. Um, I think another thing I... You know, because it's also because of like the stuff that we have like embroidered on a pillow or like said mm-hmm. in a ceremony, this like to death to us part for richer, for poorer, for, you know, mm-hmm. in sickness and in health. I mean, um, alcoholism is a disease that's touched my family as well. And mm-hmm. so when we're talking about something like sickness and health, it's like, unless the sickness is killing everybody yeah. and people need to survive like unless that's and i just think again that's like a how what perspective are we you know willing to take and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that alcoholism has to destroy every family i'm saying that people have choices and they can decide yeah. how they want to do how they want to deal with something like 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 that mm-hmm. um and, and just, i've had that experience in my own life mm-hmm. yeah go ahead And I also feel like we as humans, whether 
you agree explicitly or not, we enter into a social contract just by existing. There are some things that we do not do. Like, and even when you enter into a marriage with another person, that's just like an extension of the social contract, right? Mm -hmm. And so we know as part of the social contract, we don't, we respect everyone. We don't put our hands on other people. We don't hurt anyone else, right? And as soon as someone breaks that social contract, it's null and void on both sides, right? And so, yes, alcoholism is a disease. And yes, I will stand by you while you are sick. But if you, try to kill me while you are sick, you've now broken the social contract and I don't have to stay here anymore. And that's what people need to understand. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a deadly mm -hmm. disease for the family. Yeah. Um, it's the family. It's a family disease. Um, that's, yeah, that's been my experience in my, in my own life um, as well. And, um, you know, also, my experience with divorce and, and I, because I am the divorce say I'm not the, the child affected by divorce. I'll mm -hmm. say that like, um, Oh, there's a word for it. Oh, I wish I could. It's, uh, I was reading about, somebody was talking about the, the people that died during the pandemic mm -hmm. and their families didn't get to be there. Um, maybe there wasn't a funeral. Oh, ambiguous loss. Uh, that was the phrase that I heard. And it's, and it's, and it was people, it was talking about like that there sort of is no ceremonial rite of passage or there was no ceremonial rite of passage for those families and how that impacted their ability to grieve that. And when I was reading about that, I really related to it because that was, that's also, I think, an experience of divorce is that you know a wedding people gather around in a non-pandemic time people get to be part of a funeral but it's this huge mm -hmm. grief and this like dissolution of a family that also we don't really have a way of marking and so in yeah. my own life it was this extremely surreal experience where like I was everybody knew I was married <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was and then um my closest circle would talk to me about it. But one step out of that circle, it was the way I was greeted sort of in the world was almost as if it hadn't happened. Like people never brought up my ex's name to me or never mentioned that a divorce had occurred. And it was this very odd thing where I just felt like I was like in the twilight zone. Like, yeah, we, wait, we were all, do you, you all remember <laughs> that this was, you remember, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause we were, we used to be at this party together. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't it, it know almost, what that's it, like it, 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 as a it kid. It feels like an unmooring a bit because it's almost like your whole, yes. like so much, your whole world changes. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit about if, if you're open to it, um, Because you said you have more perspective writing this book, but what is that more perspective? Like, what did you learn about mm -hmm. yourself? Um, so in the in the process, I became a dad myself. Um, my husband and I have a three-year-old son. Um, That's amazing. He'll be, yeah. he'll be four in January. His name is Aiden, a.k.a. The Duty. Um, I dedicated <laughs> Alex Wise to him. Um, and I, so like I had like, 
I don't have a relationship with my dad. Um, like I said, like he was physically and emotionally abusive growing up. And um, being a parent was terrifying for me, or the idea of it um, coming up to when he was born, um, just because I was just concerned about like what that was going to be like and like what kind of parent I was going to be and if I was going to be good enough. Because one thing that I wanted to do was um, break the cycle of abuse and I wanted to be the dad for him that I wasn't able to get. And I was really shocked when he came and I saw how easy it was to love him. And it was, it hurt too, because then I was like, well, if it was this easy, like how come my dad couldn't love me? Um, and so I poured a lot of that emotion into writing Alex Wise and it's specifically like how he interacts with his dad, how his dad reacts, how his mom also um, reacts in the situation, how she addresses everything. And I was able to have that perspective from a kid who has experienced this rejection. Um, and I'm able to mirror that back to um, the father who behaves that way because I, I experienced it directly. And then the mother responds and I'm able to, to build his mother's response to that off of how I, how I view being a parent now and the mm -hmm. type of love that I have for my son and the way that I protect my son, that I wish someone would have protected me in that way when I was that age. Right. Um, well, and also I would imagine making a lovable and heroic character who um, is, is like a caring sibling and protects others. I mean, that's, so it's interesting, a child that's not protected and then not just writing a child that, but, but writing a child who is a protector. Um, is that a role you saw for yourself as a kid or was that something that you wanted to kind of imbue in a character that, that you were writing later? Both. Um, I absolutely was a kid who was not protected, but protected everybody. Um, I'm even like that now, especially with my son. And the reason I am so protective of him is because I wasn't protected. Um, and now, like, making sure that home is a safe space for him is top priority. Um, and it's, it's, it's non-negotiable every single day. And it's because of how I grew up and, I, and wanting to break the cycle and wanting to be the change that I want to see. And that is why queer parents are better at parenting than straight parents. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Look, we're just people like anybody else. But I mm -hmm. will say that, uh, and boy, do I fuck up all the time. Um, mm -hmm. But as you're saying that. Um, well, no, like to your, that's a, that's a very good point too. And I also want to point out that parents aren't perfect. And when, and, and that's something you'll see in all of my books, like there's no example of a perfect parent. Um, in Alex Wise, Alex's mom is as close as you're probably going to get in that story. But even she has her faults. Like she does a lot of stuff that like I personally would not do as a parent that she probably should not have done. She makes a lot of mm -hmm. poor choices as well. Um, but what I want to show to kids is 
all of the different ways that you can interact with adults from parents to mentors to authority figures and all of the different ways that they can treat you and, and what that means and how you can respond. Um, and, that, and, and I hope that they take yeah. that from that. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me too, especially I'm thinking about sort of a tradition in this particular genre where kids are like fully just in terrifying situations by themselves with absolutely mm-hmm. no parental um, force that they can turn to for like anything. That is like a trope of this mm-hmm. genre is like. Where are the parents? <laughs> yeah. 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 And also just like kids adventure stories in general, you know, mm-hmm. like everything from, I don't know, like Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, like anything where kids are a main character. They're like, they're just like mm-hmm. the parent is completely gone mm-hmm. um, or like an enemy. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck that's teaching kids either. Like, well, you know, it's teaching kids not to talk to their parents, which by the way is how things were, I think, positioned even in, Mm-hmm. between this last generation, this current generation. Yeah. Um, I didn't know but, I was supposed to talk to my parents like. But a lot like of us that. did and, and we couldn't though, because a lot of our parents were in our age group, our parents were the generation that was like very non-communicative and very authoritative. Yes. I didn't want to say that. And, um, <laughs> really? <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I see a lot of like now we are becoming parents and we're trying to break those yeah. cycles. And I do like I do the same thing with my son. Like he is three years old and he like he fully gets me together. Like the other day we were just like chilling in the living room and I was like reaching around him to get something. And I like like nudged him out of the way and he stood up and looked at me and he said, Daddy, you pushed me. And I was like, I did. And he was like, yeah, you pushed me and that's not nice. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. And he was like, okay, like, don't, don't do that. And I was like, sorry. And I, <laughs> but I was like, and I, I, it gagged me for a minute, but I, I loved that he felt comfortable enough at three That's to amazing. like check me and say, hey, yeah. you need to honor my personhood. And I was like, you yeah. are absolutely right. I am sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. What a world. Bodily autonomy for children? Come right? on. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I um I just want to thank you first of all for your time. And oh, thank you. This has been a delight. This- yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been really good to talk to you. And, um, and also, you know, I'm not yet a parent, but I hope to be one. And yeah, thanks for making the world better and safer for, for my someday. Yes. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, it's it's being a parent is a magical thing. You're going to be a wonderful parent. I can't wait. And if you, I have all of the tips and tricks. So if you need, if you need any, Please. hit me up. Everything, <laughs> all of it, everything. Okay. <laughs> of course, I yeah, got you. Well, before I send you back into your day, I just wanted to ask you to shout out a queero. This is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today. Um, do you want to shout out a queero? Ooh, 
Um, my best friend, Adam Sass, who is also an author, um, he just recently had a book come out called Your Lonely Nights Are Over, which is a young adult queer slasher, and it's amazing. Um, Adam also helped me out a lot with Alex Wise. Um, I talked to him, like writing this book was tough, and he helped me out um, emotionally and supported me through mm. writing and editing this book. So he makes me feel like a superhero every day. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you have that support. And I understand working on a project that feels personally important, but also is hard mm -hmm. to do. And so thank you for talking to me about it. And, you know, go take a, take a nap. Although you're, maybe, <laughs> maybe as a parent of a three-year-old, that's not the vibe. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's not naps. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's something yeah. a little bit stronger. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Terry. It's good to talk to you. All right. You too. Thank you. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artists-owned shows, supported directly by you.